0: Well, greetings and salutations, everybody. Welcome to the Best Day movie Related Show on the planet Earth, the John Campia Show, coming to you from right here on my YouTube channel. I'm, of course, your host, John Campia, and it is an awesome honor and privilege, as it is every day, to have you, our international friends, gather around as we talk about our favorite things in the world, movies, movie news, TV and streaming, and all sorts of good things. And guys, we're getting close to the end of, I cannot believe how fast October has flown by. It's already October 28th. I swear I blinked and I thought like, I thought like yesterday was October 5th. It is crazy how fast this, uh, this week is going by Halloween is coming up this weekend. I hope you guys have a lot of fun, uh, fun plans for you guys selves over Halloween. I know uh, I've got terrible plans. I, my wife is leaving me on Halloween. I was talking about this last night on the companion video, uh, and, you know, Anne works for Apple and, and every once in a while she needs to go up to Cupertino Uh, to the big Apple spaceship headquarters up there. So she on Halloween, I got to drive her to the airport and she's going to fly out there for a little bit. And uh, yeah, so it's going to be a sad, lonely Halloween for John. Uh, Yes, it is. By the way, uh, Colin uh, McGoldrick sends in a super chat badge in live chat. Thank you, Colin. Good to have you here, man. And thanks for that. All right, guys, we got a lot of stuff to cover here today because a few things have dropped this morning as well. Here's how today's show is going to go. We're going to start off by taking some predetermined topics in the first half of the show. Then in the second half of the show, we're going to take your live comments and questions. If you'd like to get a live comment or question on the show, simply go down into the description of this video and you'll see a tip link there. Click on that or enter it in manually at www.StreamElements.com slash MovieBlogTV slash tip. You'll be getting your comment or question read on our show if it's, of course, we deem it appropriate for the show. And of course, you'll be the channel at the same time, and all of us involved here at the John Capia Show, thank you guys very, very much for your support. Okay, before we get into our main topics here today, uh, we've got a couple of off the top. So let's get into those, shall we? And our first off the top is this. You know, you could call this 30-day window or, or this this last quarter of the year, whatever, Uh, A little bit of a Ridley Scott time because he had two terrific movies, two terrific looking movies coming out. One in The Last Duel, which I really quite like. I, I thought it had a couple of pacing issues. I had a little bit of an issue with the structure of the story. But overall, it's a really good story. Fantastic performances. I quite enjoyed The Last Duel. But the one most people have been looking forward to is the new one with... Al Pacino, Adam Driver, Lady Gaga, Jared Leto, I mean the new House of Gucci. And just a little while ago this morning, a brand new House of Gucci trailer dropped. Now, the first trailer that dropped a little bit ago was really good. I mean I mean it was really good. This one is meaty. Like absolutely meaty. I Love this trailer. It goes far more into the family drama and the family dynamic. I am a sucker for true stories. I think Jared Leto looks like, honestly, I think it looks like he's angling for another Best Supporting Actor uh, Academy Award nomination. He looks fantastic in this. Lady Gaga is showing that, you know, the, the last one she did, wasn't just... Like A Star is Born is not wasn't just some kind of fluke or flash in the pan. She's showing she can bring the goods and all this kind of stuff. And anyway, this new trailer dropped. I got to tell you guys, I thought it looked amazing. I think it looks absolutely fantastic. Now, how will this movie do? Well, I don't know. I mean, really, my only concern is, is it great? As a fan, my only concern is, is the movie great? But... As a film industry fan as well, I cannot help but wonder how the movie will do at the box office because The Last Duel, in my opinion, looked fantastic. They didn't market it a lot. Like, I didn't see a whole ton of marketing for uh, the film or anything like that, and it completely, disastrously flopped. Like, not just underperformed, not just had a disappointing result at the box office, it was a monumental Flop, which is a shame because the movie's actually quite good. So will that be the same fate of House of Gucci? I don't think so. I think for a couple of reasons. One is this one just has the bigger cast. But John Adam Driver is in both. Yeah, yeah. So so Adam Driver is there, and of course Matt Damon and Ben Ben Affleck are great, but Lady Gaga is one of the hottest names in the world right now. You got Al Pacino in this one, everybody knows Gucci as opposed to The Last Duel. So I think there are some fundamentally some fundamental advantages that House of Gucci is going to have over The Last Duel. I just hope that it's as good or better than The Last Duel. Again, I really like that one. Ridley Scott is showing, again, that he is a master in the director's chair. I think this trailer looks fantastic, and I've got very, very high hopes. Anyway, question is for you guys. What do you think about this brand new trailer for House of Gucci? I think it's even way better than the last trailer, and I thought the last trailer was good. I cannot wait to see this film. Question is, how do you guys feel about it? Jump on down into the comment section below and let us know your thoughts. Okay, guys. With that down, we got another off the top. And it's also in the world of trailers. You know, one of the series that's coming up on Amazon that a lot of people have been very, very excited about is Wheel of Time. Now, I I confess, I'm not a Wheel of Timer, right? I haven't read the stuff exhaustively. I don't really know the lore that well. So when I come to a piece of marketing for something like this, I come into it clean, personally. I come into it with a clean slate, like a lot of people probably went into watching Dune trailers with. I went into Wheel of Time with kind of a clean slate. I haven't been excited about the stuff we've seen so far, I haven't been really excited for it. But this morning, a brand new trailer for it dropped and came online. And I'm going to tell you what, as somebody who is not a Wheel of Timer, as somebody who does not know the lore, as somebody who doesn't know who these characters are, like I've always known the basic idea of Wheel of Time, but I thought this looked great. I thought the story sounded... Um, like, it had a really nice structure to it. I love the fact, well, first of all, Rosamund Pike is a goddess to me, so whatever is great. The idea of gathering up the five, one of them is destined to be the one to destroy the dark one. Now, look, I'm not going to lie. I've already seen a lot of people online talking a little bit about how they kind of felt like the trailer was a little more reminiscent of Lord of the Rings than the actual Wheel of Time series is. Like, I've been reading some people criticizing it, saying they made the trailer feel like like it's Lord of the Rings, when it's really not. And I, I see that I do like, it did kind of look a little bit. uh, There were moments there that did reflect a little bit of like the dark riders coming into Brie. It kind of looked like that a little bit, you know, uh, but I don't know if that was by design. I think that's just a standard story arc that kind of played out and sort of maybe looked to people like a Lord of the Rings thing in the trailer. Maybe, I guess, I don't know. Look, all I'm saying is I went into this trailer looking pretty fresh. Like, I don't know the stuff. This is, these promos are really the first experience I'm going to have with these stories. And for me personally, I thought it worked pretty well. Now, I've heard some Wheel of Time fans saying they're, they're a little bit let down by it. Okay, I don't know what you're watching, and I don't know why you feel that way. That's fine. All I'm telling you is that I watched it, and for the first time, I actually feel kind of excited to watch this. I'm actually really kind of excited to watch this. So, yeah, I'm, I'm enthused to see it. Anyway, question is for you guys. Have you had a chance to see the Wheel of Time spot that just dropped? Yes, no, if so, what did you think about it? Whatever your thoughts are, jump down into the comment section below and leave your opinion there. Okay, guys. With that down, let's go into a third off the top. And really, this should be a main topic today, but it just kind of dropped. So we'll do this as an off the top. And that is this. Dune is now out and in, and in theaters. It's a masterpiece of a film, absolutely wonderful and fantastic. Uh, well done, Denis Villeneuve. Well done, Legendary. Well done, Warner Brothers. The movie's fantastic. And of course, they just finally confirmed that Dune 2 is officially co- coming after lying to the public for a while that it made it to make it seem like, oh, we don't know if we're doing a Dune 2. You obviously did for a long time. You already had the release date set. You've already got a lot of work done on the film because you've already got a release date set for just two years from now. So clearly this whole thing about, oh, we don't know if we're going to do a Dune 2, it was all a work. It was all a con. What Warner Brothers and Legendary, and, and I love Warner Brothers and I love Legendary, what they were trying to do, I believe, I have no insider information telling me this. I have no inside sources telling me this. But what I believe what we had happening here was Legendary and Warner Brothers were trying to artificially recreate a new release the Snyder Cut movement with release Dune 2 movement. I really think this whole thing all this time, like I'm not saying they've known for a year that they're going to do Dune 2, but I think they've known for at least two, three, four, five months. Like I, I really do. When you look at the fact that they already had a release date ready to go, that they're already got enough work on this film done, that the release date is only two years away. This was all the work. They were trying to artificially get a fan movement going. They wanted to get the fans demanding Dune 2 to roll that with their marketing and hype machine and buzz and all that kind of stuff. But whatever. Dune 2 is coming and I'm very, very excited about and very happy about it. Well, now we're not just talking about Dune 2. Now we're talking about Dune 3 because Denis Villeneuve has come out and said he actually wants this to be a trilogy with the first two with the first two movies being from the first Dune book and then the third movie ending things off with the book Dune Messiah which is basically takes place I can't remember 12 13 14 15 years after the events of the first Dune you know and what happens to Paul Atreides then I'm going to read a little bit here from Coming Soon there is the following following the official confirmation for Dune Part Two. Director Denis Villeneuve has opened up about his plans for the future of the Timothy Chalamet led film franchise beyond the upcoming sequel. The acclaimed filmmaker revealed that he has always envisioned ending Paul Atreides' arc with a third installment that w- would adapt Frank Herbert's follow up novel, Dune Messiah, which takes place there you go 12 years after the events of Dune. He explained that in order to honor the story's massive scope, he thinks that it should be told in at least three movies. I've always envisioned three movies, Villeneuve told Entertainment Weekly. It's not that I want to do a franchise, but this is Dune. And Dune is a huge story. In order to honor it, I think you would need at least three movies. That would be the dream, to follow Paul Atreides and his full arc would be nice. Now, he does go on to talk about the fact that yeah, there are more Dune books after that, but Denis Villeneuve doesn't think those books are filmable. He says, you know, as you go on in the books, uh, was it Herbert, Frank Herbert? I think that's the guy, the name of the author of the books. He says he becomes more and more psychedelic as the books progress, and that would make them more and more challenging to actually make filmable. And I see where he's coming from with that. I really do. But yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, it's exciting to hear that there's actually plans for a third, but hearing Denis Villeneuve also talking about, yeah, I plan for this to be a trilogy, it only drives home even more my tinfoil hat theory that they've planned on doing Dune 2 for a long time. Now, don't get me wrong, I think Denis Villeneuve and Legendary were really pissed off and angry at Warner Brothers when they made the announcement that they were putting Dune onto HBO Max day and date that it's in theaters. I think it has hurt the film. I think this entire move by Warner Brothers has hurt their film slate. But that being said, I also think this was something that they resolved a long time ago. Anyway, personally, I'm excited about this. I love the idea, not just of Dune 2, but I love the idea of them then finishing off Paul's arc by going into Dune Messiah. So I'm excited about it. I hope it actually happens. Question is for you guys. You're hearing about Denis Villeneuve saying he wants this thing to finish off as a trilogy. He wants to do Dune Messiah. If you're familiar with the material, does that excite you? Do you think it's what they should do? Do you think maybe it's biting off more than they can chew? However you feel, jump down into the comment section below and leave us your thoughts. All right, guys. With all that down and out of the way, Let's move into our main topics here today, shall we? And how do we select our main topics here on The John Campy Show? Well, it's really rather simple. You see, you guys come up with our main topics. Whenever you come across a big topic issue or story that you guys feel we need to cover as a main topic here on the show, just go anytime, 24-7, over to www.thejohncampionshow.com slash contact. Once you guys get there, you're going to see a form. Fill it out with your topic or question. It's absolutely free. Hit submit, and then maybe just maybe you might see your submission featured as a main topic here on the John Campia show that down let's get into main topic number 1 and our first main topic today gets submitted to us by Eddie Jessum who writes hey John and Aaron if she's there unfortunately uh, I should let you guys know um you know I was going to do this week's show completely solo all, all week and then I was talking to Aaron and I realized, you know, Aaron's had to miss a few weeks and she's got some travel coming up pretty soon, so she's going to miss some more. So last night, me and Aaron decided she was going to be on the show today. But then a studio called Aaron into the studio to audition for a, a pretty good role on the last second today. So that's why Aaron's not here. Otherwise, she was going to be here today. Anyway, let's get back to it. Hey, John and Aaron, if she's there, I hope you're sitting down, man. The nominees for the 2021 People's Choice Awards just came out. And they actually nominated Thunder Force, one of the worst films in history, as comedy of the year. Oh, and Fast 9 is nominated for movie of the year. I'll just grab my popcorn and wait for your thoughts. All right, thanks a lot for sending that in. Okay, so look. Uh, Yeah, the nominations for the People's Choice Awards have come out. I've explained this before. But I will, I will just kind of make my point here again. I think fan-voted awards shows are totally pointless and useless. Now, I know there's some people who think it makes themselves sound cool by saying, I think all awards shows are pointless and useless. Okay, you feel that way. I like the Academy Awards. I like the fact that you have... 7,000 actual artists and filmmakers directors producers actors musicians designers and cinematographers and writers actual film professionals who together at the end of the year vote amongst themselves as to what they want to honor in the areas of excellence in the execution of their art and if you think that's pointless you feel that way good on you you're a cool guy But, but for me I actually do feel that way about audience-voted award stuff. And the reason I feel that way about audience-voted award stuff isn't because, oh, John, you're just snobby. You don't think the average person should have an opinion? Hell no, that's not what I'm saying. I am an average person. I don't work for a studio. It's just this. I don't see any value in awards that are voted on by people who have seen seven movies this year seven, maybe eight, maybe four. You know, when Twilight gets nominated for best picture at one of these award shows, you know it's being voted on by people who saw four movies that year. Three of them were Twilight movies, and one was probably a SpongeBob thing. John, don't you dare crap on SpongeBob. I'm not trying to crap on SpongeBob. I'm just using that as an example. That's all I'm saying. The People's Choice Award is one such thing. And if you've ever wanted a glorious example Of just how ridiculous this rewards thing is. Yeah. They nominated Thunder Force. Thunder Force. Is absolutely one of the worst films ever made. Now that's all subjective. Fine. I'm just saying that from my own personal point of view. Perhaps some of you enjoyed it. And if you did, that's great. But I'm here to give you my point of view. And my point of view is, it is simply one of the most awful films ever ever made in the history of cinema it's absolutely atrocious it's absolutely atrocious and the fact that it got nominated for best comedy let's let's take a look at this first of all here are your your nominees for best picture of the year okay for best picture of the year you've got black widow listen i like black widow i do i liked it that's a nominee for your movie of the year Oh, please. Coming to America. That was just bad. I love the original Coming to America. This was, Coming to America was tragically disappointing. Fast 9, the Fast Saga, is nominated for Movie of the Year. Now, then you got some good ones. You got like Dune, No Time to Die, Shang-Chi, and The Legend of the Ten Rings. Tomorrow, I like Tomorrow War, but whatever. Venom, listen, I really like Venom, Let There Be Carnage. You guys know I like Venom, Let There Be Carnage. Venom, Let There Be Carnage as movie of the year? Okay, now look, if that doesn't tell you by itself right there, if that doesn't tell you all by itself how serious or any credibility or any attention we should give to these audience voted on awards i don't know what else oh you know what else does let's look at what they nominated as comedy of the year okay now granted granted i i will confess this has been a pretty weak year for comedy so i'm sure they got to they're going to be stretching a little bit but here's your nominees for best comedy of the year coming to america free guy is great i mean i'll give it that he's all that Hitman's Wife's Bodyguard, which I'm pretty sure even Ryan Reynolds, who is watching this show right now. Good afternoon, Ryan. uh, I'm sure even Ryan Reynolds is looking at the inclusion of Hitman's Wife's Bodyguard and going, what the fuck? What? Anyway, Hitman's Wife's Bodyguard, Jungle Cruise, Space Jam, A New Legacy. Now, look, I'm a LeBron James guy. He might be my second favorite basketball player of all time, and if you're, I'll, I'll leave it up to you guys. To see if you guys know who my favorite basketball player of all time. I'll just keep half an eye on the live chat there. If you guys got any any guesses who my favorite basketball player of all time is, put it in there. But I'm a big, oh my god, the very first guest got it. Tokai number one said Bird. Yep, Larry Bird. A oh, whole a whole bunch of you guys knew it was Larry Bird. Yes, Larry Bird is my all time favorite. Larry Bird is my all-time favorite basketball player Uh, and maybe my all-time favorite character in the world of professional sports. But anyway, but I'm a LeBron James guy. I totally am. Space Jam is not good. Okay. Space Jam is not good. But again, it's all subjective opinion. Space Jam and New Legacy, Uh, Thunder Force, which we'll get to in a second and Vacation Friends, which I also thought was really rather not good. Uh, Again, I like John Cena. I'm a John Cena guy. I, I am. I, I like John Cena a lot. I don't know if he can carry a film, but I'm really entertained by John Cena. That, that Vacation Friends was not good. It had its moments, but overall not good. But let's let's talk about Thunder Force. And I don't want to waste our time going off on a whole Thunder Force diatribe. But again, this is just a great illustration to anybody paying attention of why we should not be paying any attention to the People's Choice Awards. Thunder Force is absolutely one of the most brutal, awful, terrible movies ever conceived of by mankind. I don't have it cracking the unholy trinity of the three worst wide-release, big Hollywood movies of all time. That still remains. Battlefield Earth, Halle Berry's Catwoman, and I love Halle Berry, but Halle Berry's Catwoman... And Highlander 2, The Quickening. Those to me are the three worst big Hollywood films, wide release Hollywood films of all time. So Thunder Force does not quite crack the Unholy Trinity, but I'll tell you what, it's high enough on the ladder that it can see the top. I mean, this movie, it's it's absolutely it's amazing how bad this movie is. And here's the thing: it's called the People's Choice Awards. The people didn't like it. It's got a 22% audience rating, which by the way, I would love to find out what those 22% of people are smoking and please let me have some. And 21% of the critics like it. Guys, that means one out of every five critics watched Thunder Force and actually liked it. I think these numbers are way too high. Again, it's all subjective. It totally is. But I think these things are way too high. (laughs) That's 22% is low, but it's still way too high. 21% critic rating is very low, but it's still way too high. So again, Space Jam 2 is nominated for comedy of the year. Fast 9 is nominated for best picture of the year. I don't know. So yeah, there's that. I mean, (laughs) you weren't kidding when you said you're just going to get your popcorn and sit back and watch me react to this. But yeah, it's, it's again, it's just to me profoundly ridiculous. And one of the reasons why, and it happens every year. Like every year the People's Choice Awards happens, right? Or like the MTV Movie Awards, which is also fan voted. And then people will go, John, you didn't cover the MTV Movie Awards results. How can you not cover? You know, I'll be doing a show. It's like, how can you not cover it? So because it's not real. It's not a real award show. You know, John, you didn't cover the People's Choice. No, and I won't be covering the results. Just spoiler alert. When the People's Choice Awards happens this year, I will not be covering the results. Just letting you know. So brace yourselves. I won't be covering the results. So anyway, yeah. Anyway, guys, what do you think about this? Like, look, admittedly, maybe I'm being overly hard on it. Maybe you guys see value in the... These fan voted on awards that people who've seen six movies should have a vote into what is best movie of the year. But I don't know, maybe there's there's a point here that I'm overlooking. Maybe there's an argument here that I haven't considered. Whatever you guys think about this, jump down into the comments section below and let us know your thoughts. Okay, guys. With that down, let's move on to main topic number two, shall we? And our second main topic today... Gets submitted to us by Dustin Patterson and Dustin Patterson writes. It's hilarious that just the other day, my friend and I were watching Yellowstone and Josh Lucas popped up and we started talking about whatever happened to that guy. We hardly see him anymore. And then the next day I read that he's starring in a new giant shark movie called the black demon. What have you heard about it? And what do you think of Lucas as an actor? All right. Thanks a lot for sending that in, man. And yeah, listen, I completely agree with you. I really like Josh Lucas. I remember, like for me, maybe he was around before this. But for me, where I really took notice of Josh Lucas was when he did that Reese Witherspoon movie, Sweet Home Alabama. Do you guys remember that? I thought he was really good in that. I thought thought he was really good. And I thought this guy is going to be a huge star, huge star in this business. Now, he has certainly had a very nice career, but it's never kind of hit those peaks that I thought he really has the talent and the potential to be. I mean, he was the villain in that one Hulk movie, by the way, and I believe it was the Ang Lee Hulk movie that he was kind of the bad guy in. Anyway, uh, I've really liked him and a lot of stuff. But yes, he's got a brand new movie coming out that they just talked about and it's called the black demon. It's a movie about a Megalodon only. It's not called Meg and it's not a spinoff of Meg. This comes to us from the folks over at variety who writes the black demon follows oil man, Paul Sturgis played by Josh Lucas. As he takes his family on vacation to Bahia Azul there, the coastal town he and his wife once knew has mysteriously crumbled and the locals are now nowhere to be found. Paul starts off his day with a routine visit to inspect his nearby oil rig. But before he knows it, his entire family has landed with him on one of the rotting metal towers. From the depths of the ocean rises a massive megalodon known only by its name, the Black Demon. Under constant threat from this primeval species of shark, Paul must find a way to get his family back to the shore alive. And this comes to us from the folks... Over at Variety. All right. This movie sounds like a lot of movies. Like what was, guys in the live chat, help me out here. What was the name of that Blake Lively movie? Where wasn't she, like she was on a raft, or not a raft, like a some kind of floating dock or a buoy or something, and she had to try to get back to the thing, but there was a shark that was going to get, The Reef, thank you. Sam Kodos was the first one to get it in there. Or was it The Shallows? Oh, no. Was it the shallows or the reef? It wasn't the deep. That was a different one. And it wasn't 47 meters, Dennis, but we'll go with the majority. The majority are saying the shallows. Okay. So it sounds a little bit like shallows. Oh, no, we're stranded on the thing. We got to get there. But there's sharks between us and there. There have been a lot of shark movies recently, like a, a whole ton of shark movies. And there's even one about a megalodon that took 15 years for them to get made. And it finally came out with Jason Statham punching a shark in the face. Let me say that again. They waited 15 years to make a movie to have Jason Statham, who I love. I love Jason Statham. But to have Jason Statham punch a shark in the face and the whole world cheered. And now we got another one. Look, does this sound rather formulaic? Yes. Does this sound like we've seen it 30 or 40 times? Yes. But I'm not going to lie to you. I think it also sounds interesting. I, th- I th- personally think it sounds pretty interesting. It sounds like it could be a fun watch. And it sounds like there might also be maybe a little bit of a supernatural thing to it. Like, because, okay, there's a big shark in the water. Why does that make the town deserted? Maybe, maybe there's more meaning to the name of the movie, The Black Demon. I don't know. Maybe there is, maybe there isn't. But maybe there's also a little bit of a supernatural angle that we'll find out. But yes, let me, let me talk again for a second about Josh Lucas. So I first of all, I was thrilled like you were to see that he popped up in Yellowstone. I really like seeing him pop up in Yellowstone. I've been loving that show, by the way, it's playing the younger version of uh, John Dutton. So I think that was really good to see him in there, but he's done other things too. Like he was in Ford v Ferrari recently. It was really good seeing him in that. Um, he did that glory road movie, which was really good. Um, what else has he done over the years? I'm bringing up his IMDb right now just so I can take a look. Oh, he was in that The Firm TV series where he was in J. Edgar. Uh, so I forgot about that. But yeah, it's it's just a it's an interesting situation with Joss Lucas. Again, he's just that guy that I think has the talent and the chops and the charisma to be a much higher tiered actor in this business than he is. But that's just kind of my opinion. And yes, while it does sound like a little, it's a little cliche-ish, I am looking forward to seeing The Black Demon, but it'll probably be terrible, but I think it might be a little bit of fun. Anyway, guys, question is for you. What do you think about the sounds of The Black Demon? Does it sound good to you or excited about it? Does it just sound like just another shark movie? I don't blame you if you do. Whatever you guys are thinking, jump down into the comment section below and leave us your thoughts. Okay, guys. With that down, let's move on to main topic number three, shall we? And our third main topic today. Oh, and before we get to our third main topic, just want to shout out to that Rory Goodwidge um, uh, sends in a super chat badge in the live chat. Thank you, Rory. appreciate that very much. All right, let's get on to main topic number three. And our third main topic today gets submitted to us by Slim Kim. And Slim Kim writes, hey, John, love the show. Thank you so much, Slim Kim. So I know you think Spider-Man is going to leave the MCU after no way home. Yes, I do. But Kevin Feige was just interviewed via the direct. I think he was actually interviewed by, uh, empire, but anyway, via the direct talking about Spider-Man. And when they asked him if he was leaving, he said he doesn't anticipate putting the fans through that again. What do you think of it? Thanks. All right. Thanks a lot for sending that in, man. And yes, one of the big topics of conversation around here recently has been like, what's going to be happening here to Spider-Man? Especially with No Way Home coming out. What's going to be happening? What's the future of Spider-Man? We know the existing Sony and Marvel deal is coming to an end. Are they going to re-up it? That's a possibility. Are they going to extend it further? Possibly. Could they intercross the movie universes a little bit more? That's a possibility, especially if you've seen Venom Let There Be Carnage. That's definitely a possibility. Or is it, what I think it is, That this is setting up, ushering Spider-Man back over to Sony. Which I have no insider information. I've never had any insider information telling me that's the case. That's just kind of always what I have thought and speculated. Looking at the information that we have in front of us and seeing how they've been looking and approaching Spider-Man to this point, and then you see Venom, uh, Venom Let There Be Carnage, and that only reinforces the idea that we're probably going to see Spider-Man go back over to Sony and all that kind of stuff. Now, with all that being said, for the first time really in a long time, Kevin Feige has decided to address the issue. And the comment that everybody is quoting right now is a little bit out of context, but it still makes his point. This is when kind of talking about the Spider Man situation, the deal between Sony and Marvel. Here's what Kevin Feige said. He said, I don't anticipate us going through that emotional roller coaster or putting fans through that emotional roller coaster again. And again, that comes to us from Kevin Feige. Now, what a lot of people are doing is they're taking those words and interpreting it as Kevin Feige is saying, Spider-Man is staying in the MCU. That's how they're taking and interpreting. And that is a valid interpretation. It's a it's, You don't have to be stretching super far to interpret his words that way. It's a valid interpretation and could very well be what it is he's saying. Could be. But when you look at the whole thing of what he was talking about in context... He there might actually be another very valid interpretation of what he's saying. Because in this interview, he was talking a lot about, you know, um about the whole emotional roller coaster that went through back in 2018-2019 when Sony and Marvel decided to end the relationship with with Spider-Man. It was very abrupt. Like Spider-Man's in the MCU. Now he's not in the MCU. Oh, wait, now they made another deal. Now he's back. It was very abrupt. It was out of nowhere. I remember a D23. There's a lot of people talking about it. Uh Kevin Feige also said, I was mentally preparing to emotion to emotionally separate from Spider-Man. I didn't love it, but it is what it is. And then thankfully it came back together. And then talking about all this kind of stuff about how passionate he was, all this kind of things. And then ultimately comes the the comment of I don't anticipate. Let's read this whole thing. This is from the direct who says Feige then expressed his optimism for the future of Spider Man in the MCU, saying that he doubts fans will have to experience that emotional roller coaster. I don't anticipate us going through that emotional roller coaster or putting fans through that emotional roller coaster again. So, what does that mean? I get it that some people want that to mean Kevin Feige just said Spider Man is staying in the MCU. And I don't think that's what he means. At least not entirely. You guys might remember, because again, Kevin Feige was talking about that whole roller coaster about, like, hey, Spider Man's in the MC, everything's fine. And then out of nowhere comes news Sony and Marvel ending their deal, boom. And then all of a sudden, oh, no, we renew the thing. And he's talking about this thing. All Feige is saying, I don't expect we're going to put audiences through an emotional roller coaster again. To me, that lines up with my theory, and it's just a theory, that Spider-Man No Way Home is going to be a big setup to exit, to properly exit Spider-Man out of the MCU without some abrupt a news drop out of nowhere saying, oh, by the way, the Sony's Marvel deal is done. I think they're going to set it up with a nice smooth transition, make it work narratively, and it won't be this emotional roller coaster. But there's something else important that we need to remember and keep in mind. You guys remember, maybe remember, about two weeks ago, we were talking about the Spider-Man situation on this show. And one of the things that I said in regards to the Spider-Man situation is, let's not forget, it's also possible that when Spidey goes back over to Sony, that doesn't have to be... A finality. Like, we could theoretically see Spider Man still pop up once in a while in the MCU. You guys remember us talking about that. Well, let's go back a couple of years ago. Let's go back two years and hear something that Kevin Feige said after they announced that Marvel and Sony have extended their deal. Remember, because they had said they had ended it back in 2018, 2019. And then, then came the news that they decided to extend the deal. Let's go back and look at the words of Kevin Feige back in 2019. When that happened, Kevin Feige said this, this again, this is back, I believe in 2019 after they announced that they extended the deal. Kevin Feige said this, I am thrilled that Spidey's journey in the MCU will continue. Um, And I and a lot of us at Marvel Studios are very excited that we get to keep working on it, Kevin Feige said in a statement. Spider-Man is a powerful icon and hero whose story crosses all ages and audiences around the globe. He also happens to be the only hero with the superpower to cross cinematic universes so as Sony continues to develop their own Spidey-verse, you never know what surprises the future might hold. Again, let's look at that last part. He also happens to be, Spider-Man, also happens to be the only hero with the superpower to cross cinematic universes. So as Sony continues to develop their own Spideyverse, verse you never know what surprises the future might hold. Let that sink in for a second. Again, this was back in 2019. Now remember what I was talking about a couple weeks ago. I said, yeah, I I think Spidey's going back over to Sony, but that doesn't mean he can't maybe still pop up in the MCU now and again. And again, if you've seen the end of Venom, Let There Be Carnage, you know that I think that reinforces the idea that Spider-Man's come back over to Sony. So when you look at Kevin Feige's new statement, the thing he just said. I don't anticipate us going through that emotional roller coaster or putting fans through that emotional roller coaster again. And then you look back on what he said in 2019, saying, Hey, Sony's developing their Spider Verse, and Spider Man is the only character who can cross cinematic universes. To me, I think the painting is becoming a little more clear. Sony is taking Spider Man back. I think Sony is going to make Spider-Man movies moving forward, but I think he will from time to time still pop up in the MCU. Maybe not in standalone Spider-Man films. I think Sony is taking those back again. We're all just spec. I'm just basing. I'm just making fan speculation based on what we've seen and based on what we know and based on what we heard. And it sounds to me like, yeah, Sony's taking Spider-Man back. But he will still pop up now and again in the MCU. That's what I'm starting to think is really coming. And again, let's go back one more time. Let's take a look back to 2019. Kevin Feige said Spider-Man only also happens to be the only hero within the with the superpower to cross cinematic universes. So that's kind of hinting he's he can go back and forth. So as Sony continues to develop their own Spidey verse, notice. Kevin Feige didn't say Sony continues to develop their own movie universe. No, no. He specifically called it a Spideyverse. You never know what surprises the future might hold. Uh, By the way, I just want to shout out Chris uh, Leonardo in the super chat uh, in the chat section. They're just sending a super like a $20 super chat badge. Thank you, Chris. Appreciate that, man. Anyway. Yeah. So look, if you think that's reaching, then you're not reading. Kevin Feige directly said Spider-Man as a character is going to be able to go back and forth between cinematic universes. What, what do you think that means? Like, okay. You don't think that means Spidey is going to go back and forth between cinematic universes. Okay. Then what did Kevin Feige mean when he said Spider-Man can go back and forth between cinematic universes? What the the fuck do you think he's talking about making Starbucks runs? Do you think he's talking about going, get his nails done? Going to get his hair did? Do you think when he's talking about going crossing cinematic universe, he's going to some massage parlor, get a little happy ending? You think that is that what is that the euphemism for crossing cinematic universes? Where are you going, honey? Nowhere, dear. I'm just going to go cross cinematic universes. Um, (laughs) sorry. Anyway, yes. So that's my question. Well, what do you think uh, about that? I personally, again, I think this all. Just affirms again, my guess, pure speculation, that yes, Spider-Man No Way Home is setting up the exit of Spider-Man out of the MCU and back over to, to Sony proper. I think this new comment by Kevin Feige kind of backs that up. I think when you compare that and overlap that with Kevin Feige's 2019 or 2019 statement saying, yeah, Sony's continue to develop their Spider-Verse, and Spider-Man's gonna be able to travel back and forth between cinematic universes. Very big surprises coming. I think I personally think it's becoming more clear. And I-, I really don't if again, I don't think that's a stretch at all. If you read Kevin Feige's statement, it's not a stretch. Unless you have some kind of different interpretation from Spidey has the ability to cross cinematic universes. But anyway. Again, we're all just speculating. It's just a lot of fun. And again, let me say this. I don't think you're crazy. I don't think you're crazy at all. If you think Spider-Man is just flat out staying in the MCU. I don't think you're crazy. I think there is there are some legitimate reasons there to believe that. I'm not going to fall out of my seat with shock and surprise if that's what happens. But again, I'm just saying right now, it looks to me like that's the way it's all heading. And when you look at Kevin Feige's current statements and his older statements... Seems to be going that way. So I don't know. Question is, what do you guys make of all this? Are you like, oh my God, you're right. This is what he's been saying and doing. well, Or do you think, no, nah, man, he's just going back to Sony, period, and he's not going to be popping up in the MCU. Or it's like, no, nah, man, he's just staying in the MCU, and he's not going to be popping up in the Sony universe. Whatever you guys think right now. And we're getting closer No Way Home. We're going to find out really soon, but it's still fun to speculate and guess. How are you guys thinking about this? Jump down into the comments section below. And let us know your thoughts. All right, guys. With that down, let's move on to main topic number four, shall we? And our fourth main topic today gets submitted to us by Jerry Leung, who writes, Hey, John and Rob. And obviously, Rob's never here on Thursdays. Um, So the Rotten Tomatoes score for Eternals is sitting at 64% currently, making it officially The worst critic-rated MCU movie ever, even behind Thor 2. I know you guys liked Eternals. Is there a reason you think why the rating is this bad? How will it affect the box office? All right, thanks a lot for sending that in, man. Appreciate that. And yes, now look, you guys know I've seen Eternals. Rob saw Eternals. Rob liked Eternals more than I did. I really liked Eternals. It's not my number one comic book film of the year. I still prefer Shang-Chi over it, but... There you have it. Uh, but I think it's a very strong movie. I think it's a really good movie. I think it's very ambitious. It expands the Marvel Universe more than any movie in the MCU has done so far. And it even expands on the whole creation idea of the MCU in there. It's, it's, a, it's a massive game-changing movie for the MCU. Again, not my favorite movie this year. Not my favorite uh, comic book film this year. But I quite enjoyed it. But You guys will remember that when I saw it, I said that this is the first fundamentally different in its DNA MCU movie that we've had so far. Because while all the Marvel films are very different from each other, like Civil War is very different from Ant-Man. Ant-Man is very different from Doctor Strange. Doctor Strange is very different from the first Iron Man and so on and so forth. All the MCU films do a really good job of diversifying and feeling very different and fresh and unique. But when you walk out of any of those movies, while they are all different and fresh and unique, they still all had the Marvel DNA. Like you still came out knowing and feeling like you just watched an MCU movie, right? It felt like an MCU movie, as radically different as it was, as radically different as Shang-Chi is from Endgame. They still feel like they are the Marvel DNA. And I said that Eternals is not that. Eternals does not have the DNA of a Marvel movie. It is a Marvel movie. It's definitively a Marvel movie, but it does not have that Marvel movie DNA. And I said, I don't know how other people are going to respond to that. Honestly, I I did not know how people, particularly your average MCU movie going fans, like fans who are going to go into Eternals expecting a certain experience with that, familiar Marvel DNA of a movie and they're not going to get it. And I don't know how people will respond to that. And sure enough, as you go over and start looking at the critic ratings right now, the thing sitting at 64%, which makes it the lowest rated Marvel MCU movie to date, which is hilarious when you're like, wait a minute, a fresh rating is the lowest rated MCU movie yeah I mean yeah I mean that's that tells you something about the strength of the MCU when a a movie where still the majority of the critics like it and it's still you know certified fresh for now when it's still ranked as fresh and all that kind of stuff and that out of 26 27 movies is your lowest rated one. I think there are a lot of movie franchises that would kill to say a 63, 64, 65, 66% rating as our lowest rated movie. I think there's a lot of film franchises that would kill for that. But still, it is right now, and it can fluctuate a little bit up. It can fluctuate a little bit down. As of right now, it is the lowest rated MCU movie so far. So the question becomes, why? Why is Eternals the lowest critically rated film they've ever done so far? Well, the obvious and most direct and most relevant answer to that question is because as of right now, 36% of the critics don't like it. That's why. It's, It's the lowest rated MCU movie so far because... 36% of the critics who have gone and see this movie didn't enjoy it. It's just that simple. That's why. Now, you may ask the question, but John, why didn't those 36% of critics like it? Well, film is subjective. Every single one of them will have a different reason. Maybe the length didn't work for them maybe the dialogue didn't work for them, maybe the new mythology they introduced didn't quite click with them, maybe the dynamics between the characters didn't click for them, maybe the, um, maybe the fact that it didn't feel like your traditional Marvel film, maybe that rubbed them the wrong way, maybe they just thought the story didn't work for them. Listen, for every single one of those 36% of critics that didn't like it, they're each gonna have their own individual reason And I think what we as fans often struggle, we want to find the one magic bullet. What was the one reason? What's the one reason that critics didn't like this movie? Well, I think it's important. because I had a bunch of people writing in yesterday saying, John, why do you think the critics didn't like uh, Eternals? And I'm like, well, first of all, a majority of the critics do like it. So let's be clear about that. The majority of critics like this movie. But why is it the lowest rated one they've had so far? And the reality is, is there's no one answer. The 36, 37, 38%, maybe it'll be as high as 39%, maybe as low as 30%, whatever. But each one of those critics are individual people going to a movie, and a movie's going to hit them in a certain way, and they're either going to like it or not like it. Just like for me, I went in, and for my own personal reasons, I watched the film, and it's like, wow, this really works for me. I love the mythology building. I mean, I really, I think they did a bad job with the villains. I thought the whole thing about, The uh, deviance was kind of wasted, not done very well. I'm not going to go into specifics because I know none of you have seen the film yet. Uh, But yeah, there are things about this film that didn't work for me. I don't think it's the best comic book film of the year. But for me, enough things in that movie really worked for me that I walked out having had a really good time. And I had a, a good time again the next time I went to go see it. I've seen it twice so far. But that's how it hit me. And I wondered... Coming out the first time. I wonder how people are going to respond to this. and Because I'm not really so sure. Look, at the end of the day, I still kind of side with the majority of critics on this. I think this is a good film. And I think this movie, more than most, more than most MCU movies, is going to have wider-reaching consequences in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Like, I think this movie is going, and the events of this movie, are going to change the MCU and what directions the MCU can go in far more than any other MC movie ever before. I'm not, that doesn't mean it's the best movie that they've ever made, but I think you can really feel like it's really going in a different direction. I absolutely want to see these characters return. I i love a lot of these characters. I mean, not every one of the Eternals characters totally knocked it out of the park for me, but the vast majority of them did. And I really do want to see them return. So Yeah, it's interesting to see. And you know, what I'm really curious about though right now, here's what I'm actually really curious about. I think it's very interesting to see that it is now the lowest critic rating, critic rated MCU film ever. But here's what I'm more interested to see. And that's going to be the audience rating. I am very curious to see what is the audience going to think of this. Where's the audience? Because honestly, I have no idea. I didn't have any idea what the audiences would think about it after I saw it the first time. I had no idea what I think the audience rating on is going to be after I saw it for the second time. I'm sitting here today now, a week or so later, and I still have no idea what it's going to be. Even after, look, honestly, I am not going to be surprised. I am not going to be surprised in the least if once the audience ratings start coming out for this movie, if it's in the high eighties, I won't be surprised because I see a lot in the movie. That's there. That's good and enjoyable. And I, I wouldn't be surprised at all. If the audience ratings in the high eighties yet, I wouldn't be surprised at all. If the audience rating starts coming up and it's in the mid fifties, John, that's, that's quite a range. I know, but that's, that's it. Exactly. I, I, like, I would be shocked if this was at like a 98% critic rating or a 98% audience rating. I can't see that happening. I would be shocked if it was like a 30% audience rating. I can't see that happening. But honestly, I am not going to be surprised if it's as high as like 85, 86%. And I'm not going to be surprised if it's as low as like 54, 55%. I really don't know where it's going to land. Because again, it's just one of those movies that it's really all going to depend on how it hits with the audience. And I just don't know how it will. But the one thing that we know for sure, it is the lowest rated, critic rated. It is the lowest critic rated MCU project so far. And uh, even though it's still the majority of the critics like it, even though it's still positive ratings, even though all of that, in a Marvel Cinematic Universe where we're all just accustomed to seeing 80%, 90%, 95%. We're just accustomed to that. Like a Marvel Cinematic movie comes out, it is universally beloved. I mean, unless you're Thor 2 or whatever. But as soon as a Marvel Cinematic movie comes out, it's so good and just hits all those notes that all the critics and all the audiences like it. And that's not going to be Eternals. It's not going to be Eternals. So it's going to be interesting to see. Uh, Let me just ask you guys right now. Uh, You know, Let me put together a poll in the live chat. And I'm going to ask... What will the AD, or audience rating, or AR, audience rating, be for Eternals? I'm going to give a couple of ranges here. Uh, I'm going to say, uh, will it be 0 to 25%? Will it be uh, 26% to 50%? Will it be 51%? To uh 74%, or will it be 75% to hundred percent Okay, that's the question. Now I'm not asking you how good you think the movie's gonna be. So for those of you watching live, the poll just went up. Where and I know I could have made pared this down a bit, but where do you think the audience rating is gonna end up? And right now, we've already got uh 200 and something of you guys have already voted. Right now, 57% of you are saying 51 to 74% is where the audience rating is going to come. 36% of you still think it's going to come in at 75% to 100%. 8% of you think 26% to 50%, and uh, 1% of you think 0 to 25%. So it's interesting. So it looks like the majority of you guys right now are thinking the 51 to 74%. Uh, we're approaching 700 votes now uh, in there 51 to 74% is kind of where it's holding 56% of you believe 51 to 74%, 34% of you are voting 75% to hundred. So that's interesting. It's interesting to see double B studios is saying 95%. Uh, uh listen, I just, I, I mean, that would be great. I would love it if the audience loved it that much, but I can't see this movie getting an audience rating 95%. I will be shocked. I will be shocked. I don't think it's going to be below 50, but I can't see it being 95 either. So I don't know. So anyway, question is for you guys. What do you think about this? Eternals has come out. A movie that we have heard Kevin Feige kind of maybe whispering best picture nomination aspirations. A movie that some of us, including me, have heard insiders at Disney thinking this was the best Marvel movie they've ever made. All that kind of stuff. It is now officially, as of right now, the lowest critically rated MCU film ever made even though it's still positively rated but it's still the lowest what do you guys think about this where do you think the Eternals is going to stand when the audience ratings start coming out whatever you guys think jump down into the comment section below and let us know your thoughts okay guys with all that down and out of the way We're going to go now and start taking your live comments and questions. And once again, how do you get a live comment or question on the show? It's really simple. Simply go down into the description of this video. You're going to see a tip link. Click on that there or enter it in manually at www.streamelements.com slash slash tip. Once you guys get there, you're going to see a form, fill it out with, or what am I saying? <laughs> what, www.streammiles.com. I got my whole spiels crossed up there. Streammiles.com slash TV slash tip. Submit your question into us. It'll be read on this show or an upcoming companion video. If of course we deem it appropriate for our show. And of course, more importantly, you'll be supporting our channel at the same time and all of us involved with the show. Thank you guys so much for your support. All right. Let's get to it now. Uh, Jumping over here, we're going to start things off here with Tribal Chief who writes, while it's great we're getting a Dune 2, do you think we could get follow-ups to any of the other day and date release films? Example, Suicide Squad, Mortal Kombat, Space Jam, MonsterVerse. Uh, Dune wasn't the only film Warner Brothers fucked with the HBO Max release. No, that's true. Um, Look, I would love, 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 love to see a Suicide Squad sequel. I don't think they're going to do it because that... It flopped hard. It flopped really hard. I think Suicide Squad was great. I think James Gunn's Suicide Squad was fantastic. Uh, The people who saw it liked it. The critics liked it. Nobody wanted to go see it. Uh, So I don't see that happen. I also thought Mortal Kombat was a big letdown, so I don't see any need to do that one. Space Jam, they might. I don't know. Monsterverse, they might. I don't know. But obviously the one that's really got the high high uh, franchise potential. The high franchise potential is doomed. That's the one, so we'll see. All right. Uh, Fingers crossed, though, Tribal Chief. Fingers crossed. Okay, next up. Uh, Tribal Chief also writes, uh, Praise the basketball gods. The NBA is back. To celebrate, what are some of your favorite basketball uh, movies? For me, He Got Game, White Men Can't Jump. That's a really good one. Uh, And the original Space Jam. I love LeBron, but Space Jam 2 sucks. I'm a LeBron guy. I'm totally LeBron guy, but I agree. Space Jam 2 was not great. It has moments. Don't get me wrong. There there is upside to Space Jam 2. I'm not saying there's not. There are. There are some decent moments. It has some good elements to it. It does. Just overall, I thought it was not a good movie. But at any rate, uh, to me, when I think of basketball movies, it starts and end with one movie, Hoosiers. I, let me just ask you guys in the live chat, what are some of your favorite basketball movies? Just throw some titles in there. For me, it's Hoosiers. And because, I mean, that movie has just got fantastic. It's inspiring. I'm a sucker for a good sports story, but it's got a fantastic um, basketball diaries, love and basketball. Uh, people saying the original Space Jam. Coach Carter, that's a good one. Coach Carter, A more for hoop dreams, like Mike. Uh, basketball, yeah, does basketball... Uh, does basketball count? Does basketball count as a basketball movie? Those are some good recommendations there. But yeah, for me, it it starts and ends uh, with Hoosiers. Anyway, uh, Mike Brown writes for Aaron, who is not here. She was going to be here today, but she couldn't make it in here today. She's off at one of the studios right now. Um, for Aaron, a few weeks ago, you described the apartment building you used to live at in Harlem on Manhattan Avenue. Well, my wife and I just happened to live in the same building. That's hilarious. I'll have to send this to Aaron. Uh, small world. You're an actor. I'm a casting director. Who would have thought that? So Erin was talking about that when we were at CinemaCon, and she was talking about Clifford the Big Red Dog, which she really didn't like, unfortunately. But she talked about where she used to live in New York, and I'm going to have to take this and send this off to her and uh, share that with her. Thanks for sharing that, Mike. All right, next up. The official newbies, uh, Newbies writes, okay. Part one. Okay, let's say that World War Hulk rumor has some weight to it. Uh, Like you, I love that storyline. Yeah, I love the World War Hulk storyline. That being said, I wouldn't want a movie. At least not with this version of Hulk. They neutered him. Part two. The last time we got a great Hulk was in Age of Ultron. I hated Hulk in Endgame. Do you think it's even possible with this version of Hulk? I just can't see it. I have no interest, and that sucks because I love the Hulk. Hashtag everybody has a hot cousin. (laughs) I remember that. Everybody has a hot cousin. All right, so you guys might remember we talked the other day about a rumor going around, a rumor that I don't believe, but you never know, might be possible, uh, that they're going to make a World War Hulk movie. You can't make a World War Hulk movie the way it actually is in the comics, but then again, the Ultron wasn't the way it was in the comics. Uh, Civil War wasn't the way it was in the comics. X-Men Days of Future Past wasn't the way it was in the comics. So I'm sure they'd find a way to adapt. The one thing I would say about Hulk is this. I agree with you. I, As much as I love, 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 love the Russo brothers and what they did in the MCU, the one thing I don't like was the whole way they kind of neutered Hulk. They turned him from the ultimate nuclear option in the beginning of the MCU to kind of a side joke character. And I thought they they tried something very interesting with the whole Professor Hulk thing, but to me, it didn't work. What's interesting, though, is... Remember, he was supposed to be stuck as that Hulk thing, but, and I'm about to give a minor spoiler away for one of the end credit scenes in Shang-Chi, but frankly, if you haven't seen Shang-Chi yet, you're probably not interested in it, but still, I'm, I'm giving you a heads up warning, okay? A little bit of a spoiler from one of the post-credit scenes of Shang-Chi, okay? I'll put my hand up. Once my hand goes down, then it's you're clear to come back and listen again, okay? All right, here we go. So in one of the post-credit scenes of Shang-Chi, we see Bruce back in human form, which means that's a major change with the character. The last we left him off, he was now permanently an amalgamation of Bruce and Hulk in one. He was Professor Hulk, and now that's changed. Now, he still had his arm in the sling, but it looked like it was getting better. But that was a big different thing. So maybe it means they might be angling to a return to the true green Hulk that we know and love. Maybe yes, maybe no. We'll have to find out. Okay, hands down. Ready to go. Okay, next up. Thanks for writing that in, official newbies. Uh, the great Grabthar's Hammer writes, someone asked about managing ad breaks in your videos, and I was wondering if it's a similar process for your podcast, which I'm subscribed to. I don't actually mind, but I find it weird hearing your accent and then suddenly cutting to a local Aussie ad. Um, yes, so I do for the audio-only podcast. And thank you for bringing that up. Let me actually, uh, let me use this opportunity to plug the John Campia Show podcast, shall we? Yes, let's plug this. So for those of you guys, there's an audio-only version of the John Campia Show. It is in podcast form. We call it the John Campia Show podcast. It's on all of your podcasting apps of choice. So just go on your favorite podcasting app that you use, search for the John Campus Show podcast and subscribe to it today so it's there when you need it. Okay, that being said, Yes, once the podcast goes up, I am able to go in and tell it where to put its ads because it's going to automatically put in ads, but I can tell it where. And just like in the video, I tell it to put it after I say, whatever you guys think, jump on down into the comment section below and let us know your thoughts. That's my cue to say, put the one of the ads you put in there, put it there. Now, it works, but I have had some people contact me and say, That for some reason those ads get moved around, and sometimes it doesn't drop where they want to drop. And all I can think of is maybe between some of the podcasting apps, it interprets the metadata a little bit differently. Again, I don't know. I'm not going to pretend to know how that works. That's just kind of my guess. But for most people, the ads drop where they're supposed to drop. But you're not alone, man. I've had heard from some people that depending on where they are and how they listen to the podcast that sometimes an ad will drop in it. That's not at the end of one of the topics when I go leave your thoughts there. So I don't know how to explain that. I'm not an expert enough on it, but I will investigate it and I'll try to see what's going on with that. Okay. Next up, uh, where are we at here? That was great. Grab Thar's hammer. Next one. We go to, uh, cousin Thumper writes, If Eternal ends up being a failure, could all those characters uh, and Eternals from the film get retconned out of the MCU? No. Uh, Hard to believe it's the worst-reviewed MCU film on Rotten Tomatoes at the moment. Hopefully this doesn't turn into another The Last Jedi, The Rise of Skywalker situation. No, it won't be. And listen, it's important to note, too, and it's important to keep in mind, while we today and a lot of people are focusing on the fact that it's the lowest-rated MCU film, still don't lose sight that it's still a positively reviewed film. I think in all this conversation that we're doing here, and I'm guilty of this too, I admit it, I'm guilty of this too, but in talking about and focusing on the fact that it is, in fact, now the lowest rated, critically rated, I should say, um, MCU film so far, we should also not lose sight of the fact that it's still a positively reviewed movie. And once you guys see it, you'll know what I say about this movie is incredibly important to the MCU with all the universe creation they're doing here. So no, I don't think whatever happens with Eternals from here moving forward, and again, we haven't even seen what the audience score is yet, but I don't think whatever happens in the MCU moving forward, I do not think they are going to be retconning out the events of or the characters of Eternals. They clearly have a lot of big future plans for them. So yeah, there's that. All right, next up. Uh Spuzz Lightbeer writes. You mentioned the MCU is too crowded with uh, superheroes all over, but there are only a handful of people with actual superpowers on Earth. That's not true. Uh Carol, Parker, Strange, Thor, Wanda, maybe a few others, super soldiers and tech heroes aren't really superpowered. Uh super soldiers very much are superpowered. Yeah. When you can go up and punch your way through a wall, like a brick wall you are super powered make no mistake about that but it's not just that i mean here's the thing part of the reason i say that the universe is getting overcrowded is your superhero universe becomes overcrowded to me when there's nothing special about the superheroes anymore it's just ho-hum it's another day in life like when you watch one of the same Raimi Spider-Man movies and Spider-Man swings in action, the whole city's like, wow, like it's it's the what I call the extraordinary within the mundane, the extraordinary, something fantastical within the normal or the mundane. And there's something super special about that. Even in Man of Steel, Man of Steel was unique in his universe. Superman was unique in the universe. People saw Superman and Man of Steel. It's like, what is that? That's crazy. It is the fantastical or the extraordinary within the mundane. The MCU is now at a point between all the shows and all the heroes and all the stuff that's been happening now. Even people with the the regular human people within the MCU, nothing surprises them anymore. Like I, I was saying, you see in the Eternals trailer, right? There's this big fight in the street between some of the Eternals and a Deviant, right? We see that in the trailer. But to people, it's like, oh, okay, yeah, there it is. Just another Tuesday. Just another Tuesday. Nothing big. And and that is kind of symptomatic. And there's other examples too that I can't give away right now. But to me, that's kind of symptomatic of the fact that this universe is now overcrowded. There's no there's no awe or wonder in this universe anymore. Because there's a superhero on every corner. Everybody's seen everything now. And I think it is a, a problem. It's not a death toll it's not a killing blow i'm just saying it is a problem that kevin feige and his generals over at the mcu are going to have to find a way to navigate through because it takes some of the magic out of it at least for me it takes a little bit out of the magic out of it when there's no more sense of awe and wonder from the fantastical or extraordinary within the mundane anymore so that's kind of my take at any rate uh let's move forward next up we've got uh that was spuzz i love that username by the way uh jack lumbers writes I think a fight between the rock and John Cena is possible in DC. If DC writes something to power up peacemaker, well then, then you could say black item, black item, <laughs> uh, that, that, if you're doing that, you could say black Adam could literally fight any average five grade five school kid. You will just write something that powers him up. Okay. Um, uh, as black Adam is coming to beat up little Eddie because he thinks Eddie's face is stupid. Just as he's about to beat up little fifth grade Eddie, Eddie comes across the ancient gem of Sarkofa-Fa-Fa-Fa-Fa. And when little Eddie comes across the ancient gem of Sokofa, he picks it up and it turns him into a being of incredible Well, yeah, then you can do that. Sure, you can do that with anything. Absolutely. But at any rate, I think it's possible the Rock and John C can possibly fight. In DC, if DC writes something to power up Peacemaker, also, uh, if they do fight, I would love it if The Rock drop and an electrify a people's elbow, making it the most electrifying in all of entertainment. Uh, listen, I'll tell you what, I am personally going to be very disappointed if when we see Black Adam, if at some point Black Adam does not drop the people's elbow. They got to work it in somehow. The people's elbows got to be worked in there somehow. All right, next up. Dangerous D writes, um, Hey, John, I saw an article where they were re-releasing the Blade movie on October 29th. <clears throat> then I realized what's happened. What's happened to the two? Let me try this again. Then I realized what happened to the reboot version starring Mahershala Ali. Um, why is it taking so long to film this or have an update? What is the delay? Do you have any news? There is no delay. There's no delay. They're making this movie at their pace. Remember, when they announced Mahershala Ali, that was just them telling the world, we're going to make this movie. They weren't saying, like, the only way you can say is there's a delay is if when Mahershala Ali came out on stage and they announced the movie, they say, coming at Christmas 2021, and now it's not. Well, then that's been a delay. But there's no delay. They've, they've always known when they were actually going to start shooting it. For whatever reason, they just decided, you know what? The only reason I think they announced Mahershala Ali at that Comic-Con event as Blade is I bet they didn't want to announce it. Because it really was too early to make that announcement. I bet they announced it because they found out somebody, maybe one of the media outlets found out about it. And instead of letting the media leak it, they decided, because Marvel has done this before. When they find out something got out there that they didn't want out there, they preemptively get out in front of it and preemptively make an announcement of their own. I'm willing to bet that somebody found out about the Mahershala Ali casting and that Marvel went, okay, well, instead of letting it leak out there, let's make the announcement ourselves. But I don't think there's any delay. I don't think they ever planned on making it this soon. They've got their plan. It's going to come when they want it to come. So it is what it is. Trust the plan. Trust the plan. All right, next up. Um, Ben Rayner writes, Hey, John. Well, I saw Dune. Great movie. I watched it at home because I'm not going to theaters yet. However, for me personally, I'm glad I watched it at home because the sound was great and awesome. But for me personally, damn, it was loud. At home, I'm in control of the sound volume. I can't take super loud noises in theaters. And if I saw Dune in theaters, I would it would have been rough for me plugging ears the whole time. Having said that, I love this movie and looking forward to watching it again. Great story and awesome visuals. Great sound and awesome acting. Four out of five. Great movie. Can't wait for more. Thanks for the show and keep bringing on the filthy. Well, I mean, remember, just because though, and Ben, thanks for sharing your thoughts on that, man. I'm glad you enjoyed the movie. But remember, just because it was loud in your home theater setup, Every individual movie theater will set their levels individually. And while like while it is a loud movie, I, I never felt it was louder than any other like action film I've seen. I didn't think it was any louder than Shang-Chi. Remember, the individual theater will set their audio levels. So hopefully it'll be just as good of an experience watching it there as it was audio-wise for you at home. But either way, I'm glad you had a chance to watch it, and I'm glad you enjoyed it, my friend. All right, next up. Uh, We've got Dangerous D who writes, Hey, John, I mentioned to you that Warner Brothers executives didn't like the HBO Max name. I have a suggestion that isn't drastically different from that. Why not shorthand it Max or Max Plus or WB Max or in honor of DC, Super Max? (laughs) That's not a good one. Uh, What do you think? Uh, Do you have something better? Uh, Honestly, while I complete, we talked about this on the companion video last night. But honestly, while I completely believe the name HBO Max was a bad choice, especially since when they launched it, it created a whole bunch of confusion amongst consumers because there was already HBO. There was already HBO Go. There was already HBO Now. And now all of a sudden there's HBO Max. And people didn't know what's the difference between them. If I'm subscribed to one, do I have the other? Do I not, do I have to sign up for all four? It was a stupid name to launch with. But... It's now the name that everybody knows it by. And the damage has been done. It, 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 it hurt their launch. It caused confusion amongst consumers. But that's now all behind them. That's in the rearview mirror now. And now today, people know it as HBO Max. And I think changing the name now might just be adding to the confusion unless when Discovery takes it over... I personally think Discovery will keep Discovery Plus and HBO Max as two different things. But if, and this is a big if, if Zaslav over at Discovery decides to merge those two things together, then it would make sense to me to change the name. Because now it's a fundamentally different service. Maybe you call it WB Discovery or Discovery Max, or I, I don't know. But then it would make sense to change titles. Or to change names. But otherwise, I honestly think they just keep it the way it is. I really do. But we'll see. We'll see. But yeah, it was a bad title to launch with. Absolutely. Okay, next up. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I'm just looking at some of the names some of you guys are putting there. HBO Mighty Max, says Mike Kat. Um, uh, Mich- uh, Michael Gonzalez saying Max Discovery. That's, Max Discovery isn't so bad, actually. Uh, Felipe Santos is saying Warner Max. That's 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 probably what they should have launched with Warner Max or WB Max. That probably would have been a good name to launch with. Um, Zaslav Max says Marcus Y in honor of Discovery CEO Zaslav Max. I like that. Uh, let's see, Discovery Plus just came out in Canada. WB Disco Plus. I love that name. I vote for WB Disco Plus. Says Mark Newman in there. WB Discovery Max. A lot of ideas in there. A lot of ideas in there. All right, let's keep going here. Next up, uh, we've got Suthius who writes. In regards to Lamb, that that movie just looks strange to me. I personally enjoyed it. Oh, you saw. I'm glad you liked it, man. I personally enjoyed it. It somewhat subverted my expectations I had for it. It's a very endearing movie. I was attached to the main character, Lamb, and actually cared for that Lamb slash human hybrid. I'd recommend it. It may surprise you. Yeah, I'm not going to lie to you, man. I have no interest in seeing Lamb. I was a little bit interested when I first heard about the movie and read a little bit of the synopsis. But once I saw the trailer for it, I was like, nope. I'll take a full hot cup of nope, thank you. Give me, give me a big order of nope to go because this is totally nope. No interest in seeing lamb, my friend, no interest in seeing lamb. And then I've heard, talked to some people who saw it and they're like, anyway, but Hey, you liked it. I'm glad you liked it. Maybe at some point on a Saturday afternoon, I'll sit down and check it out sometime. All right. Thanks for sharing your thoughts on that. Suthius. next up. Suthius also writes, I don't understand why some of us fans feel the need to only like or choose one when it comes to media. For example, if you like the Dune book and the 2021 Dune movie, why not both? Why have the mindset of I have to choose one or the other? Um, Well, first of all, I agree with you, Suthius. but honestly, I haven't heard people say, I like the Dune book, not the movie, or I like the movie, not the book, or whatever. But it is true. Film fans, we're all guilty of this, have a tendency of being guilty of being tribal, right? Of having a tribal mentality. Like, they identify... With their tribe. And one of the biggest ways we've always seen this is in the Marvel corporate slave fanboys versus the Marvel corporate slave fanboys, right? It's like, well, because here's what happens. For a a number of years, Marvel and DC fans defined themselves by what they hated. Well, if I'm a Marvel fan, I have to hate DC, And, well, I'm a DC fan. That means I have to hate Marvel. It's the most idiotic mindset in the world. Like, you got to be a special kind of stupid to think that way. But the reality is a lot of us have thought that way. A lot of us have moments when we're really that stupid and we think that way. Well, if I like this, I have to hate that. I don't know. Or you could just like both. Call me crazy. But it is something we as film fans, and listen, I've been guilty of it too. I think it's something we as film fans fall prey to a little bit. Anyway, and you're right, we should we shouldn't do that. All right, next up, Wesley Cunningham writes. Saw the companion video with you realizing in horror that the people about the people's choice nominations that was last night. And I agree, holy hell, but this is why I usually think of those MTV's kids choice etc as just adding to the conversation as to what was popular uh, with average fans of those demos. No, you know what Wesley, you are 100% right you're a hundred percent right and so the one thing that I think we can take of as value out of things like the MTV movie Awards uh, the the People's Choice Awards is you know out of those people who see six seven eight movies a year what is it that's appealing to them and you're you're right it does give us at least another dimension to the conversation and I think you're a hundred percent right about that and I should have mentioned that but you did so good on you for that all right next up Mischievous Gremlin writes, John, like you, I sometimes miss the times where me and my friends would ride our bikes over to the nearest blockbuster slash Hollywood video and peruse the aisles for movies that we haven't seen yet. It actually started me on my love for horror movies. Dude, I was talking about this on the companion video last night. It's just that the new generation coming up today, like 19, 18, 17 year olds, it's, I feel really bad for them because they're never going to experience that. They're never gonna like when me and my buddies would get together. I mean, yes, it is a better system today. Being able to just sit at home, rip open a menu, click, 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 find whatever. That it is a better system. It's a hundred percent a better system, absolutely. But there was something really special about you and your girl, or you and your boys you and your buddies heading down. It's like, Hey, we're hanging out Wednesday. Okay. And then you head down to Rogers video in Canada or a blockbuster or Hollywood video in the States. And you walk around the place. You try to figure out what you're going to pick up tonight. Maybe you pick up four for two or seven for seven. You remember, remember, did your video store have those deals? You can get seven movies for seven days for like 12 bucks or whatever. Perusing those picking movies. And we would discover new movies that way. It's like going like you go through the, it's like, wait a minute, pick up one DVD, What's this And you go home and watch it. And while today's system is by far better, I do miss those days. I do miss those days. I wish me and my buddies could go do that again. It's kind of fun. All right, next up, uh, Alfred Gives Birth to Robin writes, uh, people ask, how do Jason, Freddie, and Michael keep coming back? Well, folks, you know what's stronger than, a, than plot armor? The power of money. LOL. But seriously, how does Michael keep coming back? Jason and Freddie were explained. But what the hell is Michael? Okay, so I can't really answer that without giving a spoiler for Halloween Kills. But I, I will do this. I'm going to raise my hand again. I'm going to give a spoiler for Halloween Kills. Hand is up. Once the hand goes down, then you're safe again. But yeah with it's gotten ridiculous one of the things that appealed about michael was that he was a crazy and crazy strong and all this kind of stuff but he was a man he was human as you get to the end of halloween kills you realize he's not human he's actually not human anymore and laurie the laurie character gives this speech out of nowhere that made no sense it says with everyone he kills, he ascends more to what he is becoming. It's like, what, what? So basically they're saying Michael is now a supernatural entity that, yeah, you can stab him in the neck and you can, it doesn't matter. He's he's now a supernatural entity because he's murdered so many people that with every person he murders, he's he ascends. He ascends to becoming this immortal thing it's really really weird i i I, one of the reasons i didn't like the movie nearly as much as the 2018 one all right hands down now spoilers are over okay next up crashing coyote writes uh, let me clarify. Yes. I said Dune was boring, but also beautiful, interesting, and astonishing. Only the last 30 minutes were boring because the final fight had zero stakes. Oh, I disagree with that. I thought everything was on the line in that last fight. Anyway, I wasn't worried at all for Paul. And that's how you end this epic. So anticlimactic after a three hour buildup again, listen, we all experience these in different ways. Crashing. I respect how you felt about that. You had your experience with it. But mine was different. I I feel completely differently than you do on that. I thought it was actually really compelling. But, hey, I respect your opinion. Your opinion is no less valid than mine. All right, next up. Jack Lumbers writes, Do you separate how good a film is from how entertaining it is or a combination of them? I think I do sometimes, but we really shouldn't. Because at the end of the day, what are movies? Movies are experiential events. And if you go watch a movie and it delivers an experience for you, that you enjoyed whether the experience was fear or awe and wonder or excitement or laughter or joy or contemplation or you know makes you wax philosophical whatever if a movie delivers an experience isn't that what movies are supposed to be experiential events so i i have tried to lately stop making a distinction because guess what if i go into a movie and I had a great time, then that's a good movie. I don't care about anything else. Now there are definitely elements that will contribute to giving you that experience. Good writing, good acting, um, great action, you know, great drama. Like, yeah, absolutely. There's a ton of different elements that go into whether or not you have a good experience. But at the end of the day, you walking out having had a great experience, isn't that all that matters? I, I make this illustration. I compare it to like a chef. Like in cooking, there are techniques you're supposed to follow. If you want something to come out this way, you got to do this. You have to have to a certain amount of, you have to season it correctly. You have to make it, give it the proper cook. You have to have certain ingredients, blah, 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 If you want it to be a dessert, it's got to be something like this. Yeah. And all that contributes to a great meal. Sure. But if at the end of the day, if some 18-year-old kid whips together a concoction with completely ridiculous, like they put gummy bears in with half a cup of sugar, a pound of flour, and a stick of butter, and five tomatoes, that's ridiculous. That's stupid. But if they deliver that to me, they whip it all together, and I take a bite of it, and I love the taste of it, isn't ultimately that all that matters when it comes to what you're eating? It doesn't ultimately come down to, did you have a great experience? Did you really enjoy eating that dish? Isn't that what ultimately that counts? Yes, there are techniques in cooking and all that kind of stuff that are important, yes. But at the end of the day, it's about the experience you had. And so as I get older, I, to me, I'm really trying to think of it more (laughs) Eric the Red in the live chat saying, Chef Microwave. Yeah, that's kind of me too. (laughs) But as I get older, I am really starting to look at movies more and more that way. Did it deliver an experience? I don't care how brilliantly a movie's put together technically. If it didn't give me the experience, it doesn't mean much. I don't care if maybe... They didn't do a very good job, technically, with a certain film. If I walked out having had a blast, isn't that all that matters? So, I don't know. I, I'm kind of going through this existential film fandom crisis about what really matters when it comes to movies. But, so, I'll just say that for now, dude. I'll just say, listen, movies are experiential events. And if it gives me experience, to me, that's a good movie. The movie did its job. So that's me. All right, next up. But there's there's hours of conversation to have there on that. There's absolutely hours of conversation to have. All right, next up. An anonymous viewer writes, Howdy, John. Long-time listener here. Good to have you here, anonymous. I know you have strong distaste for giving review scores for movies. I do. Uh, So I was a little surprised when I found your Rotten Tomatoes profile and there were scores listed on several movies you reviewed recently. Yes, I did. Um, Look, so for those of you who don't know, I don't give scores in my movie reviews because a score means something different to everybody. I give a movie a seven out of 10 because I thought it was a really solid, good, uh, enjoyable movie. And then I get 50 people write to me. You gave it a seven out of 10. Why did you hate it? Why, why did you hate it? You gave it a seven out of 10. That means you hated it. And it's like, what's the point in giving a score to something? If nobody knows what that score means, or if people are just going to ascribe, what their own meaning to that score is. We live in a culture where everything is 10 out of 10 or zero out of zero. It's either the greatest thing ever, or it sucks. So I decided, yeah, I'm, I'm not going to give scores to movies anymore. I'm just, I'm just going to, I'm just going to review a film. I'm just going to say what I think about it. I'm not going to give it a score, but on rotten tomatoes, they ask for you to give a, a score. And I think the reason they ask for that, because the only thing that matters on Rotten Tomatoes is, I do I say it's good or not good? That's the only thing that matters. Do I say it's fresh or do I say it's rotten? At the end of the day, that's the only thing that matters. But they do ask for you to give a score as well, because Rotten Tomatoes likes to also put out average scores, which is a totally useless number, to be honest with you. How many people liked it? How many people disliked it? That's the only thing that counts. But... So I put that in on my Rotten Tomatoes things, but that's only because I do it out of necessity. I really don't think about it. Like, for instance, I think on Rotten Tomatoes, when it asked me for to give it a score rating, I just threw an 8 out of 10. I don't really know that I think it's 8 out of 10. I don't really care. I, didn't, I don't give any thought to it. I just throw something in there that I think modestly or moderately reflects what I actually think about the film. But don't, don't ever look at my rating on a Rotten Tomatoes movie as that being what I actually think about it because I really don't put any thought into it. I just feel like, well, I really liked Eternals, so I don't know, 8 out of 10, slap it in. But I don't give Eternals an 8 out of 10, okay? that Whatever score I submit on Rotten Tomatoes, ignore it. The only thing that counts is do I say it's a fresh movie or do I say it's a rotten movie? That's the only thing that matters. So anyway, there's that. Uh, but good question, man. I, underst- I understand why you'd ask that. Okay, next up. Uh, we've got... Red Comet Sucks writes, Dune 2, no time for sand. I like that. Dune 3, we found Mephisto. Uh, Hashtag Red Comet Sucks. I don't know what that means, but okay. Somebody wrote in the other day that Dune 2 should be called uh, Dune Dune, Dune 2, no time to Dune. I love that. That one stood out to me. I can't remember who did that, but I like that. All right, next up. Uh, Lee Rhinox writes, hey, John, I'm confused. Samba TV reports Zack Snyder's Justice League made $8.1 in the U.S. opening weekend, but it doesn't count China's first five days. 250 million views on Migu video. Warner Brothers International President Pirate Daga called Zack Snyder's Justice League a global phenomenon. Why is uh, Warner Brothers USA hiding Justice League uh, success? Well, there really wasn't much success, and I don't believe any facts or figures coming out of China. I like I, I, I don't trust the Chinese system. I'm not saying I don't trust China. Don't get me wrong, not at all. I the, I the Chinese are great and fantastic people. What I'm saying is, though, you know, I've said for a while, I don't trust the reporting in China. I, I don't trust it. Like when they say, oh, our local Chinese movie made $3 billion opening weekend. I'm like, really? Okay. I, I, I just honestly, I don't take it seriously. I don't take it seriously at all. So, yeah, when it said like 1.8 million household stream Zack Snyder's Justice League, that's more accurate numbers. Uh, so, any that's that's my. But so I don't buy it when it, they apply it to anything. They can they can come out and say, you know, 400 million people watch James Gunn's Suicide Squad. Well, I love Suicide and all Suicide Squad and all, but I do not believe that number coming out of China. I don't believe it. Uh, I I haven't I I think the Chinese. A uh, system of reporting movie numbers is, to be generous, suspect. And so I, I don't pay any attention to it. I, I look at what is actually reported in North American numbers and the rest globally other than China, because China always seems, their reporting is always way out of step with what the rest of the world is. So again, I'm not saying you need to think that way. Don't get me wrong. I'm not telling you how to think. I'm just telling you that's kind of my approach on that. Okay, next up. Uh, we've got Jack Lumbers rights. One of two. Um currently the domestic box office is 2.96 billion with movies like Ghostbusters Eternals and Spider-Man to be released. I can see the final 2021 domestic box office being at least 3.6 billion with 2020 box office being 2.1 billion and 2019 11.3 billion. Yeah, I mean it's it this is hilarious because people I'd have these conversations who would say, you know, the box office, the movies and theaters have been dying. I'm like, you do realize that 2019, the, the last full year we had before the pandemic was like a record shattering year and that the box office made like 12 billion at the box office. Right. Tell me again how it's dying. I'd love to hear your explanation for that. But anyway, yeah. And it's good to see the numbers starting to recover in 2021. And you're right. There's still a number of big movies to come. And I think Spider-Man No Way Home has a chance to be a billion dollar film. I think it has a chance to be our first post-pandemic billion dollar film. I don't know if it will. I'm just saying I think it's got a decent chance. I think it's got a decent chance. All right. Uh, next up, uh, we've got uh, Lee Rhinox writes. Hey, John. Warner Brothers never said they were rebooting They were rebooting Clark Kent. They said a new direction for Superman slash Kal-El. Calvin Ellis is a black DC canon Superman. Yes. Uh, Krypton name is uh, Kal-El. Uh, Cavill is our Clark Kent and others are in the multiverse. Your thoughts? Well, I don't think that's ever been in question. I, I don't think that's ever been in question. Um, not to mention, we've got a J.J. Abrams one being made. We have a uh a uh um uh michael b jordan version one getting made we have uh animated versions so yeah i don't think that was ever in question i don't think that's ever in question look we have that happening with batman right now right we have a batman in the dceu but at the same time um we have the Robert Pattinson Batman coming, right? There are different iterations of Batman being done at the same time. So yeah, I'm not surprised at all. I don't think it's shocking to anybody that it's kind of being the same thing. They can do the same thing with Superman. Um, anyway, Jack Lumber's I forgot to read part two of two, says, how do you feel that a 3.6 million billion meets for the health in the industry? Do you think the box office is on the right track? Yes, I think it's on the right track. But being on the right track doesn't mean you're going to get all the way to the finish line. Can it get back to full recovery? We'll probably know around... May and June, probably around May and June of 2022, barring any massive relapse of the whole pandemic. I think that's when we'll see it. But yes, I do believe that puts everything on the right track. All right. Next up, Jay the Sith plane writes, who has the rights to Namor? I'm so confused when it comes to him and Hulk. P.S. Uh, tell Black Knight I'm coming for his ass, that campaign. Video. <laughs> yeah, Black Knight sent in like, hey, he warned us, right? Black Knight warned us, say, hey, listen, I got a, I haven't been able to send in questions for a while, so I've got a whole bunch backed up. Here they go. And he sent in like 15 or 20 questions. So that's I thought it was great. Anyway, uh, who has the rights to Namor? The rights to Namor are still a big convoluted mess. People in reports have said for years that, oh, no, it's all been worked out. But then it turns out it wasn't worked out. So right now, the status of Namor, I'm not 100% sure. I don't think anybody's 100% sure. Hulk, it's actually fairly simple. Marvel has the rights to make Hulk films. But if they make Hulk films, Universal has the rights to be the distributor of it. And Marvel doesn't want to be in that situation. They're already in that situation with Spider-Man, and I don't think they want to be in that situation with another of their characters. So uh, that one's still pretty kind of straightforward. All right. Next up, Uh, Mad Chad writes, hey, John, I know you said Daniel Day-Lewis is the GOAT. Unquestionably, without without discussion, without rival, Daniel Day-Lewis is the greatest actor of all time to me. And I agree. I wonder who do you consider the top leading actor today? I'd say it's between Leonardo DiCaprio and Christian Bale based on their filmography, consistent performances and charisma. Uh, To me, it's actually Russell Crowe. I think Russell Crowe is the best actor in the world with a retired Daniel day Lewis with Daniel day Lewis retired. And until he decides to come out of retirement, I I honestly think the best actor in the world is Russell Crowe. Now here's the problem with a lot of, Film fans, we judge whether an actor is good or not based on whether the movies they were in are good. And Russell Crowe's been in some bad movies, man. He has. But when I look at his range and what he's able to do on screen, I've never seen a movie where another actor is in a movie with Al Pacino and they acted circles around Al Pacino and they stole the movie from Al Pacino. Russell Crowe did that. And then a movie that very, very few people saw that I thought is one of the best performances. I mean, Daniel Day-Lewis in There Will Be Blood was better. But honestly, one of the best performances I've seen in the last couple of decades was Russell Crowe in Cinderella Man. But nobody talks about Cinderella Man. Nobody talks about it. I think DiCaprio is right up there. I think Christian Bale is up there. I think Denzel Washington is right up there. I think Chiwetel Ejiofor. Nobody talks about Chiwetel Ejiofor, but I think Chiwetel Ejiofor is right out there. I think Ray Fiennes is the greatest actor in the world who doesn't have an Academy Award right now. Um, so there's a lot of guys who are in contention. By the way, I think you got to mention guys like Jake Gyllenhaal. I think you got to mention guys like uh, Brad Pitt. Who who again just won an Academy Award. I think there's a lot of I think there's a lot of good, good actors who are in that discussion. But to me, unpopularly, but I I really do think Russell Crowe's the best actor in the world when Daniel Day Lewis is retired. But that's just kind of my take on it. Great question, though, man. All right, next up. We still got a few minutes left here. Uh we are at Ryan Loner, who writes. Some people were talking about Jason Patrick lately. One neat thing I recently found out is that he's the grandson of none other than Jackie Gleason. I didn't know. Is that true? Guys in the live chat, is that true? Is Jason Patrick, we've been talking a lot about him, Lost Boys Forever, man. We've been talking about Jason uh, Patrick later, but is he actually Jackie Gleason's uh, grandson? I... People are saying, "Yeah, it's true. I never knew that. I learned something new from you guys every day." Thank you so much, Ryan, for putting that in there. I think that's great. I never knew that. All right. Next up. Sam Fisher writes. The new House of Gucci trailer credits Lady Gaga as an Academy Award winner, but her win was for best song. Doesn't matter. She's an Academy Award winner. Um, she uh, shouldn't she be credited as a nominee because she only has an Academy because she's only an Academy Award nominated actress. It, it doesn't matter. She is an Academy Award winner. As long as the trailer doesn't credit her as Academy Award winning actress, whatever, that's fine. But if they say she is an Academy Award winner, they're telling the truth. Just like saying um, the first Suicide Squad movie is an Academy Award winning movie. Well, yeah, it was for makeup, <laughs> but it's still technically an Academy Award-winning movie. You are not wrong to say it is an Academy Award-winning movie. And if they say, as long as they're not lying, if they say, hey, starring Academy Award winner Lady Gaga, well, that is technically and factually true. As long as they're not saying, you know, best actress Academy Award winner, lady gaga because that would be a lie and that would be untrue but technically speaking she is an academy award winner all right uh next up uh eric cole writes one of four uh i feel the same as you do about no way home it will most likely usher spider-man out of the mcu and into Sony's spider-man universe and my fan brain couldn't stop itself from thinking up a theory I think Spidey will actively choose to exit from the MCU because Aunt May will die. A triumphant but distraught Peter Parker, who would, by then, have lost Uncle Ben off screen, Tony Stark, and now Aunt May, will end up choosing to move to or remain in the Sony cinematic universe, where, he will have, where, where he'll have somewhat of a family. Um. Maybe MJ dies too. She exists in the SSMU. So Spider can attempt to start over with her and Ned survives no way home, but Peter can't take him over a tear jerking end to their bromance. Anyway, just another theory. Another theory would be that the John campus show exists in the Sony cinematic universe. And that would be all the, the, the reason spider needs Spidey needs to move universes. I would watch a rant off between John Campy and Jay Jonah Jameson any day. Keep bringing the filthy dude. I would wipe the floor with Jay Jonah. I'm just kidding. Uh, Jay Jonah, especially being played by J.K. Uh, J.K. Simmons would totally wipe the floor with me. Uh, that's true. Um, listen, I think. And now we're getting into real speculation territory because we're building a theory on top of another theory. But I think that, yes, Spider-Man goes over to the Sony Cinematic Universe and will live there and will once in a while pop up in the MCU. But I think Ned and MJ go with him. I think Ned and MJ go with him. Now, I, I have no proof of that. I That is just me, pure fan speculation. Pure fan speculation. But, yeah, I think they're actually going to go over. I like your idea of Aunt May dying and maybe him choosing to go over there and but he says, but peter if you do this there'll be no way home dun 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 they said the thing they said the thing they said no way home um that would be interesting too that would be interesting too so i don't know we'll have to see all right uh thanks for sending that in eric uh next up we got sam fisher who writes have you seen the new nbc show ordinary joe i have not it follows Joe, a guy who has three choices in front of him after college graduation, and each of the paths, uh, those choices take him down. It's a little like Gwyneth Paltrow's sliding doors. You know, it reminded me of a number of things. And first of all, it looked like What If? It reminded me a little bit of that um, that Jason Isaacs show that I talk about all the, all the time, where he wakes up and he's in one reality where his wife is alive then when he wakes up the next day, he's in a different reality where his son's alive, and I'm freezing on the name of the show right now. But um, it reminded me a lot of those things. And because it kind of came out at the same time that what if was coming, I'm like, this doesn't look very original. Oh, Ren Davis, thank you. Ren Davis put in the live chat, Awake. Awake was the name of the Jason Isaac show that I love and I wish they did a season two. Loved that show. Uh, but they canceled it after the first season. But um yeah, nothing I'll be honest with you Sam, it just does not look appealing to me. I'm surprised it hasn't been canceled. I haven't talked to anybody who's watched it. Now, I'm not saying the show is bad cuz I haven't seen it, but I I just I have no interest in checking it out to be honest with you. All right. Uh, next up uh is uh, oh no, that's it. We are guys for the first time in months thanks to doing a 2-hour companion video last night. We are all caught up. We have all caught up. This is the first time this has happened in months. We've actually got fully caught up. We have done all the questions that have been sent in. Guys, wow. Again, thanks to the fact that we did a two-hour companion video last night. But we've done it. You and me together, we did it. We actually got caught up. We got through all the questions that have been sent in. This is amazing. I feel like I can breathe. (laughs) I guess it's been months since we've been fully, completely caught up. Oh my God, I'm so grateful that we've been able to do it. I was only up till about 3 a.m. last night. (laughs) Anyway, guys, we did it. You and I did it, celebration time. So that'll do it for today's installment of the John Campion Show. Guys, thanks so much. You know what to celebrate? To celebrate this momentous occasion that we actually got all caught up on the tip questions, we're going to do an after dark tonight. How about that? So if you want to come back later tonight, We'll do an all live cha- open live chat uh, after dark later tonight. So we'll do that to celebrate. Yay! Anyway, guys, thank you so much for being here and for making this show a part of your day. Special thank you to all you guys who sent in uh, the super chat badges and the live chat. That's awesome because you didn't—you're not even asking questions. You just sent in super chat badges to be s- supportive. So thank you for that. And a special thank you to all you guys who sent in those tip questions. Number one because he gave us great fun things to talk about. But number two, you supported this channel as you did it. And all of us involved here at the John Campia Show, thank you guys so much for your support. And don't forget, guys, you can start sending in those tip questions again now. You can send them in, so they'll be the first ones read on tomorrow's show as well. So you can send those in 24-7 whenever you like. Anyway, guys, that'll do it for me today. Thanks so much for being here. My name is John Campia. And until next time, my friends, bye-bye.